Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1, starting at verse 1. It says, and you have quickened, I'm sorry, hold on, what does this say? You have he quickened, there we go, I, I left a word out. And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we also had conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And they were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4 says, but God. This morning, I want to talk to you just for a little bit about this verse, and I believe what God is ready to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this people. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray in this house that you would arrest hearts and minds in this place. God, open up ears to hear your word. Open up hearts to receive your word. Father, that you would move in this house is my desire, but God, I believe even greater is your desire that you would move and minister in this place. God, let it be said that your presence was in this house and you touched hearts and lives today. We're going to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. This morning, if we look at the first three verses of chapter 2 in this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, we're going to see a few things, and I want to point them out very quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in certain areas of this message because I believe there's some points that we need to get to, and I don't want to belabor getting there today. Uh, but the first part is this. If we look at the verse, verse 1, he begins to talk and says, You were dead in trespasses and sin. Somebody say dead dead in trespasses and sin. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but I am going to say this, that we are in a society today, and we have in the church today and outside of the church today, we've become unaffected by the sin that used to affect us. It, it got quiet for a second, and that's okay. It got quiet because I think when we start talking about the three-letter word called sin, everybody starts to get a little bit nervous. But many have allowed in their lives what they used to not allow in their lives. And some would say, well, pastor, I've become more educated. I've become more wise. I've become more aware. I've become more mature. But I submit to you that they likely have become more dead in the sins where they were. Because God's word has not, will not change, and his standard has not changed either. God's standard hasn't changed. We can have an opinion. But our opinion does not change the fact of what God's Word says. You say, well, I didn't come for this. That's all right. Buckle up. You're here. If the things you used to not do because you felt were wrong, you are now doing without any type of conviction, it might be a sign that something's wrong. The Bible says we grow in the knowledge of God, we work out our own salvation. It doesn't say we grow in sin. Mm. All the people said amen. 
Then Paul goes on to say, you walked according, you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil. The spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience. Somebody say disobedience. Uh, this morning I'm concerned that we have too many church attenders and not enough Jesus followers. We have many people walking with the world wearing a Jesus shirt. And not many people going against the culture standing for truth and righteousness. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's rough. I'm not talking, and I'm going to say this, and, and if this offends you, well, um, I'm not preaching next week. I'm not talking about the right wing or the left wing politically uh, affiliations. I'm, I'm not talking about who's in the White House, who's in the Senate, and who's in the Congress. I'm, I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about who is in the, the city council and who's on the city council. I'm not talking about them. This morning, I'm talking about the person that's sitting in the seat that you're sitting in today. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me, and I'm talking about the obedience that we have towards what God's plan is for us. The walk, the talk, and the obedience to Christ and how we're demonstrating it. Are we wearing a shirt and walking with the crowd or are we walking against the crowd? What would happen? What would happen if as believers we stopped fighting about rainbows and we started praying for revival? Uh, you say, well, Pastor, the, you, listen, I know where the rainbow is. It's, it's God's sign. It's God's promise. And I'm not going to go into the details of where all happened and where it's at now. But I am going to tell you, I'm tired of fighting about something that God's already said is his. I am going to do this. I'm going to start praying for revival. How about this? Instead of not just praying for revival, maybe the church starts just praying. What? When the world cannot see a difference between believers and non-believers. When the world can't see a difference between a Jesus follower and someone that's not following Jesus. We're in a sad state of affairs, my friend. We have politically correct preachers. And I use that preacher word lightly. That are in pulpits today sharing messages that are nice little messages and, and, and I don't know what else I can say about it. But the reason that they are sharing those type of messages is because in the pew we have lukewarm believers that will fight because they're saying, "Go, you got to preach what the culture says. And the spineless preacher ain't preaching what the word says. I will tell you this, I'm of the opinion this morning, you can take the world, but give me Jesus. I, I don't know about you. You say, well, pastor, if you're not going to preach politically correct messages, then I better go find another place to go. Well, I love you. Don't let the door hit you. I'm not worried about our culture. I'm worried about the kingdom in the house. I've made up my mind. I'm not going to be a, I am going to be a thermostat and not going to be a thermometer. 
You can stand with the world if you want to. But I'm going to stand on something that is steadfast, unmovable, and unshakable. It is the word of God. I'm going to stand on Jesus Christ, the solid rock, the foundation. That's my decision. So this morning, Paul is writing, and he says, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. He says, you were walking with the world, living in disobedience. Somebody say disobedience. Disobedience is sin. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to say it again because I only got like one, two people nodding their head. Disobedience is sin. If your child does something that you don't want them to do and de deliberately disobeys you, do you celebrate them? No. Nor does God celebrate us when we disobey. I am thankful for the grace and mercy of God. Because how many know we ain't perfect? Amen. So he says, you were dead in your sins. You were walking with the world. You were living in disobedience. But verse 3, something happens that I think is, is really uh, important for us to note. Verse 3, he does, he being Paul, does something very, very particular. Because verses 1 and 2, he's saying you. But verse 3, he says, among whom also we all had conversation." In times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. What happened is he said, it was you in the first two verses, but I'm going to relate to you because in verse 3, I'm the same type of person that you were. It's we. He included himself to say it, it was we. Too many times we do a good job of pointing, posting, and pushing our agenda. But we fail to realize that we were just as bad as some others until Jesus came into our life. And not only were we just as bad when Jesus came in and before Jesus came in, some of us are still struggling at, after Jesus came into our life. We've chosen, even after Jesus came into our life, fleshly desires and lusts rather than being faithful. Some of y'all acting all saved and sanctified. I'm just telling you the truth. We've chosen worldly things rather than being faithful. We've chosen to, to, to do the things that maybe we shouldn't do. You say, well, pastor, I understand I've done all those things, but hear me today. We have to not set ourselves up on a pedestal for others to look at and point our fingers at those that haven't. We are in the same boat. And Paul said, we, we, we're still working out our own salvation. See, what we've done in the church is we've become uh, inwardly sinful rather than outwardly sinful. Got quiet. Ain't nobody knows what I watch on my phone. I mean, nobody knows where, I, you know, I can go hide. I can go. But I'm going to go to church and everything's going to be okay because I'm safe. Hear me understand. Sin is still sin. It doesn't change whether you're hiding it from me or you're not hiding it from me. Because God is the judge. I'm not your judge. I just want you saved. I want you living for Jesus. But we've become inwardly sinful in the church. And we boast our 
points and point our fingers outwardly at those that aren't believers. You know, somebody said one time, and I've never figured it out. I guess I have now. When you point one finger, you got three pointing back at you. Yeah? And as believers, we need to start realizing instead of pointing our finger, we need to start helping people. We need to start loving people. And so Paul is, is sharing all of this. Some may say it's a we thing. Just because I choose not to doesn't mean I don't battle daily not to. I'm going to say that again. Just because I choose not to sin doesn't mean I battle daily not to sin. You say, well, pastor, I I thought you were saved. I thought everything was. Listen, the devil's good at his job. His job is to tempt us, and he knows where to get us. I have to battle daily not to sin, not to fall to the temptation of the enemy. Amen? And so we see Paul now is saying, so it's, it was you, and, and he was telling us we were dead in our trespasses. He was saying, you followed after the world. And then he goes on to say, we, we followed after the lust, the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of our mind. And then verse 4 brings us to a word that I want to spend a few minutes on this morning. It's the first word of the verse. But. B-U-T. But. In grammar, the word but is a coordinating conjunction. I'm not going to have you diagram sentences this morning. I know some of you were really excited. But it's a coordinating conjunction. And what it does is it connects ideas that contrast or are different. Let me give you a few examples so I can help you this morning. A few examples. One example is I can't do this, but you can Two different ideas. He's rich, but he isn't happy. I know some of you say, well, I'd like to try. No, that's not what I'm talking about today. He promised to come, but he didn't come. When you're in a place, when you place the word but in a sentence, whatever comes after it will be the exact opposite of what came before it. And if we look at verse 4 for just a moment... If we look at verse 4 in chapter 2, after Paul had said, you were dead in your sins, you were walking with the world, you were letting the devil pull you by the leash, he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Somebody say, but God. Let's not lose track this morning of that word for a moment. But, but we're going to look at, at a little bit more of the verse because I don't want to lose track of the words used to describe God's mercy and God's love. How many know it's important? The word said, he's rich in mercy. Anybody rich in this house? Hold on. How many's rich in this house? Other than your last name being rich. How many's rich in this house? We're all rich. You say, Pastor, I don't have a dime in the bank account. If you're saved, you're rich. You're going to walk on streets of gold. You're going you're to hang out with walls of jasper. You're going to walk rich. The Bible says it's rich in mercy. If someone's rich, you don't have to worry about if they have enough. 
I'm not rich by any means, but I guarantee you when Dylan comes over to my house and opens my refrigerator, he doesn't care if I have enough. He don't have to worry about it. He just gets in there and gets what he gets. Yeah, yeah, not the only one. Seems like he filters through a few refrigerators. He always says it's for the kids. Anyway, but rich in mercy means you don't have to worry about if, if there's enough. This morning, God's mercy is rich. You don't have to worry about if he has enough. Some of y'all in this house won't give it all to Jesus because you think your past is too messed up, but his mercy is enough. Somebody say, it's enough. It's not just enough. It's more than enough. It's rich in mercy. And then it says, his great love. It didn't just say love. It didn't just say just a little bit of love. Didn't say good love. Didn't say small love. But it said great love. And that love word is agape in the Hebrew, or Greek, I'm sorry, is agape, meaning fatherly love. Or it's the highest form of love. And it says, with great love, the highest form of love, he loved us. Before. Verse 4, things didn't look very pretty. But something changed in verse 4 when you hear and see but God. Something contrasted. It went from being lost and dead in your sins and being followed or led by the world and walking in the ways of the world but God and it changes to the mercy and the grace and the goodness and the love of God. This morning, I want to explain to you, I once was dead in my sins. I once chose to follow the world. But God. Somebody say, but God. But God. And after the but God, I'm no longer the same, and I'm no longer sitting in the same places. I'm no longer doing the same things. I'm no longer going the same way. There's a difference because there's a contrast. What I used to be, I'm no longer am because but God changed my life. Mm. I'm convinced that if Jesus is on the inside of you, there will be a difference between who you were and who you are. And if there is not, I believe it's a good sign you might still be dead in your sins, letting the devil drag you around by the leash. The devil doesn't mind he can drag you. He'll take you to church even. Hear me, he'll take you to church as long as you continue to let him have the leash. He'll take you to church as long as you have no desire to change. He'll, cha he'll, he'll take you to the place. He don't care. We got people wearing Jesus shirt, posting about Jesus stuff, and have no contrast to who they used to be. That's a problem, folks. The Bible says old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. We are new crea creature. Creature, I do that every time. We're a new creature. I even spelled it wrong up there, or spelled it the way I needed to say it. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Our old ways are gone. We can't go back to where we used to live. Hello, somebody. 
We can't go back to where we used to live. We need to come to the realization this morning that we are not who we were before Jesus. We need to quit acting like that person. Now hear me. I've seen this happen way too many times. Somebody goes and they get saved. And the next day they're beating their head beating their neighbor's head with the Bible trying to tell them about Jesus. I will tell you in the society that we live in today, one, that'll probably get you arrested. Um, beating somebody in the head with anything. But two, relationships are what's going to help people come to a relationship with Jesus. When you get saved, yes, you're on fire. Yes, you want to save the world. But you can't go and all of a sudden put a suit on and say, now I'm a Christian, I'm going to live holy and righteous. It's a process. But if you don't see a change and if somebody doesn't see a change in you, why would they want to be a Christian? This might be a fan favorite this morning. Jesus didn't save us so we can be the same person and live in the same sin and do the same thing that we've always done. In fact, listen, he's come into our life so we could be changed. We are bought with a price. He didn't pay that price so we could stay the same. There should be a contrast to who you were to who you are. Old things are passed away. Something powerful, though, happens. Something powerful happens after the but God. See, it changes the whole direction of this letter that Paul's writing. It starts out, and everybody's going, ooh, ugh. Oh, that's me stepping on my toes, preacher. Come on, Paul, be a little bit nicer. Here's the problem. I'm going to tell you this. Too many preachers are worried about being nice rather than speaking the truth. I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to tell it as nice as I can. I'm going to preach the truth to you because the truth is what sets you free, not a nice little sermon. It's like, Paul, come on, Paul. And he's telling you it's dead in your sins and trespasses. You're following the world. You're walking after the world. And then he says, but God. And the whole direction of the message begins to change. This morning I have news for somebody in this house. There is a but God moment in every single person's life. And it is waiting on you. And when that but God comes in, things begin to change. There's a contrast not only to who you are but where you're going. Something changes. Something's different. I'm going to give you a few scriptures this morning, and we're going to go home. Don't laugh, it's true. But I want to give you a few scriptures this morning to help you understand the power of the but God moment in your life. Psalm 73, 26 says this, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Somebody say, but God. 
Somebody's not hearing this today. Genesis 39 and 20, 21, Joseph hanging out with his brothers. They had trashed him. They had sold him. They would sent him down the river. And he goes to Potiphar's house. And he's, he's blessed in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife lies on him. And she says that he was trying to do all these things. And, and Potiphar takes him and he puts him in a prison. And verse 20 and 21 says this. Joseph, again, had been lied on. His master took him to the prison. Verse 21 says this. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. Some may say, but God. The story didn't start well, but God is the ending, and it's ending as it intended. Somebody shout, but God. Psalm 3, David writing says this, Lord, how are they increased to trouble me? Talking about the enemy. Many rise up against me. Many are saying there is no help from the Lord at all. But thou, O Lord, are a shield about me and my glory and the lifter of my head. Somebody say, but God. This morning it may not look like you have a victory in your path, but God is bringing a victory into your situation. Somebody help me today. Oh, Jesus. It may look like the enemy is building up the numbers against you, but listen, you may not be able to see or hear or feel, but God is present in your time of trouble. Psalm 30 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Some may say, but God. Some may say, but God. Somebody say, but God. There's a dawn that is about ready to break. There's a but God moment for somebody in this house. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all my needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You say, Pastor, why are you getting so excited? You may not need a but God moment, but I need a but God moment in the house today. Jesus help me. Psalm 34 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Some may say afflictions. Afflictions are trouble. Ain't nobody like trouble. Nobody likes affliction. Nobody likes sickness. Nobody likes problems. But the Bible says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God, deliver us out of them all. Some may say, But God. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. That's all right. Listen to me. The beginning of the story might not look very good, but God is about to end the story, and he's about to change or contrast that which was at the front of it. So if it looked bad on the front end, know that but God, and he's about to change it to your good. Oh, help me, Jesus. Somebody get me one of them pills. I don't even take them. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you. I'm thankful for the but God moments. I'm, I'm thankful today for the but gods. Not just, not just adding in today the but, but adding in the but and attaching it to God. A God who is omnipowerful, omnipresent, omniscient can do all, be all, is all, will never change to being everything. 
I'm going to attach that but to God. You say, well, pastor, what's so important about that? The only reason, the only reason that God would come in the second part of the but or come after it is so he can change what's in the beginning. I don't know about you, but I'm excited today to know that I am not doing this thing by myself. I'm excited to know though the enemy wage war against me, there is a but God that is coming. I'm excited to know today that though I may be in the valley of despair, there's a but God moment coming in my situation. I'm going to have some audience participation this morning. As Dylan, I just want Dylan, come on, Dylan, just come. He's not participating, he's going to play. I just want him to come for a second. But I need some audience participation. I want to make sure you all are awake this morning. Some of you might be. When I point to you, I want you to say, but God. Can you help me with that this morning? Hold on. I got to point to you. We're going to try it just for a moment. He's a little slow. Look at your neighbor. Point to just nudge him. Say, get up. Wake up. Preacher needs your help this morning. Come on. Oh, you're quicker with the left hand. All right. Try one more time. Okay. Get ready. Get ready. (laughs) The beginning looks like a mess. Oh, that's good. That's good. The doctor's report said it was all they can do. Mm. They lost everything they had. They was lost in addiction. They were broken and hurting. They were sinful. Hold on a second. Are you starting to pick up on something in this house today? There's a but God moment that is coming into somebody's house today. Hear me today. They may be broken. They may be hurting. They may be sick. Somebody stand in this house today with me in this place. This morning, come on, stand in this house. Come on, stand in this house if you're able today. The story may look bad. You might be in a prison. You might be in a pit. You might be broken and hurting. You might be sick and afflicted. You might be down and out. You might have to roll down the bottom of your sock to look out the top and see anything. But, come on, somebody, say it like you mean it. But God, give me that doctor's report. Tell me what you want to tell me. What they don't have on the report. Are the two most important words that I need to hear. 
is but God. You say, Pastor, you're just being hopeful. No, I can give you a bunch more scriptures where but God came in to the situation. My family is falling apart. Go ahead and look at the divorce papers if you want to. It's missing two words that's going to contrast everything in the front of it. But God. Jesus, help me, God. Woo. My God. You say, Pastor, you acting crazy. I'm feeling God in this place today. I am feeling the presence of God in this house this morning. Woo. Woo. Oh, you failed. Woo. But God, it may look like it's over, but God, oh Jesus, say, Pastor, what are you doing? I am sensing the presence of God in this place. Oh God, some of y'all, some of y'all have taken what's been written as the gospel. But what you forgot is to look at the gospel. Woo. Oh. Because there is a but God. There is a but God who is rich in mercy and is great in love. Maybe ain't nobody in this house get anything but me. And I'm going to go home skipping and shouting a hallelujah today. Because I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. The enemy may come in like a, like a flood, but God's going to raise up a standard. I said, but God is going to raise up a standard. I don't care if you go skipping today or not. I don't care if you get in your car and you go, well, at least it was short. I don't care. I know this. There's somebody in this house other than me that got a hold of the butt God today. There's somebody that's leaving today. Go look at that thing and say, yeah, 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 I read it. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God. I don't even know. I'm just going to tell you this morning. I got too excited. I know you got scared. Guess what? I'm figuring out how I can run and not run into a wall in this building. I'm just being honest with you. I am excited this morning. Not because of what I'm preaching. I'm excited because the Word of God, the Word of God says, but God. And it contrasts. This morning, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to count to three. I, you know what? I'm going to count to two this morning. 
No, better yet, I'm just going to go one. I said, I'm going to just do one. We'll do one. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to come if you want to. Only if you understand the power of the but God moment. Only if you believe today there's a but God for the situation that you're facing. Only if you understand that there is a moment that God is getting ready to contrast the negative to that which is negative to that which he calls and positive. Hear me. I'm going to say this this morning real quick before I, can, before I count to one. Hear me. Every time, whether it was Joseph in the prison or the pit, or whether it was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Whew! Yeah! Doesn't matter. He used that moment with the but God to move towards the destiny that was in place. I'm going to say, I'm going to hear me. If you, if you agree this morning with a but God, I'm going to just count to one. And I just want you to come. I want you to celebrate in a but God today. I want you to testify of a but God today. Come on, somebody. One. Come on. Are you coming today? Hallelujah. 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 There's a but God moment. But God. But God. Bless you. Bless your name. Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? I want you to start speaking out of your mouth the thing that is the problem. I want you to start speaking out of your mouth that diagnosis, that issue, or that problem. You speak it out, and at the end of saying it, you say, but God. And I'm telling you this morning, there's about to be a change. There's about to be a contrast. There's about to be a difference today. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. Come on, all over this house, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name. Come on. Come on. Something. 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 But God. But God. But God. But God. But God. But God. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I will overcome. I don't know what you're doing, but God, I know what you've but done. I know what you've done. Come on, and I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. Come on, somebody. Because I'm fighting a battle. You've already won. You've already won. No matter what comes. No matter what comes my way. I will. I will overcome. Don't know what you're doing. Don't know. Don't know what you've done. 
don't know, God. I don't know. I don't get it. Why am I going through all this stuff? Why am I dealing with all this trouble? Why am I dealing with all this sickness? Why am I dealing with all this trouble and issues? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God, I said, but God, I said, but God, don't worry about it. Don't wonder about it. Just say, but God. 